Ready to go at 149 pounds, T.J. Williams of Iowa's Hawkeyes, a sophomore, 39-0. and 0. He has been the number one man at this weight all year long. I was thinking, like, man, I worked too hard, you know, to go out there and lose to my opponent. At the time, he's my opponent, right? I wasn't thinking about this is my brother, you know? Taking on Tony Davis. But at that point, my nerves were settled because now the main event is here. You're listening to Episode 3 of Escape from Inglewood. At the end of our last episode, we watched Tony Davis sign a letter of intent to wrestle in junior college, meaning that he would have two years to get his grades in order and wrestle well enough to earn a Division I scholarship. And in August of 1996, Tony arrived on the campus of Iowa Central in Fort Dodge, Iowa. Uh, Fort Dodge is a, is a blue-collar wrestling community. This is Troy Bennett. He was Tony's assistant coach at Iowa Central Community College, one of the top JUCO wrestling programs in the country. Um, wrestling's kind of always been at the, the top of, of sports around here. Iowa Central was a place where elite athletes went if they had academic problems or off-the-mat issues. We're looking for those kids that can wrestle that don't have grades. And there was no disputing Tony Davis's ability to wrestle. On just his third day at campus, weeks removed from being nearly beaten to death, he found the wrestling room and began training. Here's head coach Mark Ostrander. Like the third day, I walk up in the wrestling room and Tony's up there on a treadmill. He's just sweating. I said, how long have you been up here? He goes, about an hour. And I go, why are you doing this right now? He goes, Coach, I've talked to a lot of guys, guys that have been here, and they said that you used to just beat the living daylights out of them the first month of practice, just beat them up. And he goes, you ain't beating me up. And I said, okay, this kid's going to be really, really good. But just how good was an unknown? As Coach Ostrander had never watched Tony on the mat. But as the first workout began, he quickly found out as Tony laced up his wrestling shoes for the first time since losing to Reggie Wright 18 months prior. Tony in the room was so much more skilled than the other kids that I had in the room at that time. He could do things that these guys never even seen before. Inside the Iowa Central practice room, Tony was dominating. But at his very first JUCO tournament, he drew his old high school rival, Reggie Wright. And I get to the first tournament and, talk, and <laughs> I start warming up. I'm warming up and I'm looking. I'm, I like look to the side. Then I was like, huh? <laughs> I thought I saw a ghost. And it was Tony Davis putting his shoes on. I was like, a ghost. To everyone in the Chicago wrestling community, including Reggie Wright, Tony Davis had fallen off the face of the map. But here he was, 18 months later, wearing a Navy Iowa Central warm-up as he was jogging around the map. So I went out like, time out, time out. Tell me he's not in my weight class. I go over to the bracket, and I'm like, oh, no, he's in my bracket, right? I'm like, I mean, he didn't wrestle last year. You know what I mean? It couldn't be too tough. As Reggie and Tony scrapped, this time in front of a few hundred fans at a lowly junior college open. Coach Ostrander watched on from the corner. 
It was a classic match. They just scrapped. Reggie beat him by a point. It's a great match. After losing to Reggie twice in back-to-back matches, Tony returned to Fort Dodge with a vengeance. I went back to my Harvey Twisters training. I started training hard. Training hard, running hard, morning runs, lifts. And I just rededicated myself to the sport. And when I did that, greatness came from it. Tony began to light up the JUCO circuit. He started winning. I mean, he just, he won everything he was in. And people were just, who is that guy? Oh, that's Tony Davis. Coach Bennett, the assistant coach. Nobody could even keep it close to him. He was dominant. And nobody could even touch him. By the end of Tony's freshman year, at the national tournament, he rolled through his first three opponents before advancing to the finals, where he beat Jesse Schaefer from North Idaho 15-5, winning his first title. Asked by a reporter how he could take off nearly two years and jump back in without missing a beat, Tony answered, I just knew I was Tony Davis and I was good at what I did. And once, if once, I, once I commit to it, greatness is going to come from it. Tony's first year at Iowa Central couldn't have gone better. He won a national title and was well on his way to a Division I scholarship. He was also doing well off the mats. He passed all of his classes, and that summer, he and his girlfriend had their first child. That was a huge change. It was a, it was a huge change for the better, though, I think, for my life. Because I, had to, and I knew then I had to you know, make my life better for them. Now that he had a son to watch after... Tony got stingy with his time. And as he entered his second year of JUCO, he refocused his goals. For Tony, a national title was a given, and he wanted more. My goal was to win another um, title, but also win OW. And um, I felt like I, I did everything that, that was needed in order to accomplish those goals. Tony's second year of JUCO was even more dominant than his first. And as he entered the Junior College Nationals, there was a lot on the line. If Tony won his second consecutive title, he'd almost be guaranteed a Division I scholarship. But if he lost, his offers would diminish significantly. On the morning of Friday, February 27, 1998, Tony began his push for a second JUCO title. Mark Ostrander, his coach, watched on from the corner. There was never a question in any of his matches whether he was going to win. We kind of just sat down and enjoyed watching him wrestle. Tony routed his first three opponents before advancing to the finals. I remember just going out there and feeling like I felt when I was in elementary. I just felt like I was in control again. Every match, was it wasn't hard. It was easy. And he went through the national tournament. I think his closest match was in the finals against a kid from Rochester. Tony won the match 10-5 to to claim his second consecutive National Junior College title. But the big question was, would it be enough to win Outstanding Wrestler? I thought he should have won it on pure. There was nobody that could compete with him. But they gave it to a guy named Brock Lesnar. How did Tony take it? Not good. It's not happy. As Lesnar walked to the center mat to collect his award, Tony stormed off into the arena tunnel and found the nearest locker room. It was kind of like slap my face, like it's like a spoiled kid. I want it. I should have got it. Why did I didn't? Why did I didn't get it? But I feel like I paid the price, though. I really feel like I deserved it. Back at the team hotel, Tony's frustrations over not winning OW took him to an even darker place. 
Here's Troy Bennett, Tony's assistant coach. After he won his second national title, the kids were partying. And he got drunk and got pissed off and punched a mirror in the hotel. I was, I was just that pissed off. So I shattered it. And then they called the cops. The cops come. I said, no, fuck that. Cops, you got to chase me. So they chased me. I threw them, hit, hit a couple cops with some snowballs. And then we had some long talk. They redirected me. I said, all right, I'll pay for it. But Mark Armstrong said, I'll pay for it. After the glass was cleaned up and the police had left, Coach Ostrander entered Tony's hotel room. You know, like I told Tony, we're not out here. Are you out here to get OW? I mean, you just won your second national title. You can pick whatever school you want to go to now. Tony was finally ready to begin the Division I recruiting process. His first stop was his favorite school, the University of Nebraska. They flew me out there. I heard it went through my, throughout my visit that they wasn't really interested in me because of the kid situation. Uh, they, want, they, want, they didn't want the burden. I clearly remember that conversation uh, through one of the wrestlers. What'd they say? Well, I was asking, I said, man, I really, want be, I really want to come here. But they was like, yeah, well, we think that coach is not really into you because um, you have a little kid and they don't want to take on that burden. That, that was a smack in my face. I would never forget that. I was, I was devastated. After crossing Nebraska off his list, Tony then looked at the University of Illinois, the same school that had visited Tony back when he was a high school phenom. I wanted to go to Illinois, but then it had Terrapilla there. As Tony continued with the recruiting process, he crossed more schools off his list. Iowa had signed Tony's best friend, T.J. Williams. And Oklahoma State had Tony's high school rival, Reggie Wright. It felt like Tony was an outsider trying to figure out how to get into the world of Division I wrestling. But once again, I can't, I can't be mad at these coaches because, I, 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 you know, my track history wasn't up to par. But there was one coach who did take a chance on Tony. It was Mark Manning, the head coach at the University of Northern Iowa. Manning had been following Tony for months, ever since he'd watched him wrestle at an early season open tournament. And, and I remember he was at Iowa Central, and he beat a lot of tough guys. And he didn't know to beat them. He, he, he manhandled them. And we were like, holy buckets, this dude is, he, he's a different cat. And so in the spring of 1998, Tony was driving home from practice and pulled up to his apartment to find Coach Manning in his driveway. When I pulled up, Mark Manning's right at the door. Was waiting to meet and greet me, so... Brought him into the house. We talked wrestling, and he was he was honest and upfront. He said, "Well, um, I would love for you to come to Northern Iowa because I want to help build my program around you." That was that was a well said, but I also felt the passion and the truth that he was speaking. Tony and Manning had an instant connection, but the coach still had to convince Tony to attend UNI, a once respectable program coming off its worst season in decades. We had some trying times, tough tough times at the beginning, just getting people to buy in. And, you know, they hadn't had a national champion in 37 years. So you're breaking down barriers and you're breaking down people's belief in what you could do. Coach Manning offered Tony a full-ride scholarship and the opportunity to be the face of UNI's rebuild. Tony took the offer, and before he left, he made a promise to his junior college coach, Mark Ostrander. 
And he told me he was going to win a national title for you and I. And I said, and I hope you do, Tony. Tony had two years to make good on his promise to Coach Ostrander. And later that summer, Tony arrived on the campus of UNI, one of the smaller Division I schools located in America's heartland, Cedar Falls, Iowa. That was kind of like heaven. I mean, been around people that was friendly, supportive, um, easy going, no gunshots, no cars flying up and down the road, no yelling, screaming, no one hanging out on the street drinking 40s. No, you know, it was, it was like being on vacation every day. But the vacation ended once wrestling season began, and Tony had to navigate the transition from JUCO to Division One wrestling. Biggest transition, I would say, is just the training. I think the training is on a whole different level. Running stadium stairs, like you don't do that. I didn't do that during college. Uh, getting up for six thirty morning runs, you know, and it took it to a whole different level. For years, everyone had told Tony that he had the talent to compete at the Division One level. But now that he was there, was he committed to the journey? Here's Coach Manning again. Oh, I remember some mornings, you know, we'd have six o'clock morning workouts or 6.30 and something, and, you know, he would show up. I have to drive over there and get him. Those are the, the those are the growing pains that it took to get, get him to buy in. That you have to, every workout's important. By November of his first year at UNI, Tony had made it through the preseason and was getting acclimated to the new training workload. But after suffering an injury at the first tournament of the year, he was sidelined and was forced to watch his best friend and former high school teammate T.J. Williams grow into a national star. T.J. Williams, the number one ranked wrestler in the land, on top now. Wrestling for the University of Iowa, just an hour and a half south of Tony, T.J. was becoming one of the most dominant wrestlers in the country. Another takedown, three takedowns for T.J. Williams, undefeated as a collegiate here at the University of Iowa. I'll tell you, he's hitting some quick shots. I mean, they're picture book. After starting the year at 157, TJ's coaches talked him into going 149, the same weight class as Tony. At first, I didn't really want to wrestle 149. My mind was set on wrestling 157. So then when I tried it, I was like, I'm the man down here, you know? I'm going to stay down here. But the whole time, TJ thought that Tony would be wrestling in the weight class below him at 141. And then I found out that he was going to be wrestling 149, and I was like, Man, this can't be true. He's, he, he was never that big, you know? And I really didn't want to wrestle him because I just know the type of wrestler he is. You know what I mean? And just growing up with him, I didn't want to wrestle my best friend, right? TJ sat down in his apartment in Iowa City and gave Tony a call. And then he called me up, asked me how things are going. Then we talked about, hey, he might be going 149. So, okay, it's good. I said, well, you just another person I have to beat. <laughs> he said, well, we'll see, we'll see. So... We just kind of, um, we just talked to shit and we knew that the mat was the mat and off the mat was, 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 was who we were as friends. So, For anyone that followed wrestling, this was a dream matchup in the making. Tony Davis versus TJ Williams. And the big question was, when would it happen? They were supposed to wrestle in December and then January. And then it was clear that the only time they would meet is at the NCAA tournament. As the tournament got closer, TJ's head coach, Jim Zaleski, used Tony as motivation. Zaleski would say things, hey, Tony Davis called me, he said he's, 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 he's gunning for you. 
like, Tony Davis, how, how you get your number? You know, I'm like, but when he call you, he just called me today, right before practice. And at the time it was, it was kind of like, uh, irritating me. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, how do you know about this guy when he didn't, he didn't tell me that, <laughs> you know? So it's like, all right, all right, coach, Tony Davis is on the menu then. Meanwhile, at UNI, Tony was battling back from injuries, but put together a strong second half of the season. He won the Eastern Regionals to qualify for the NCAA tournament and earned the sixth seed. TJ, his best friend, was the one seed, meaning that the only time the two would wrestle was in the finals. On Thursday, March 18th, Tony arrived at the Bryce Jordan Center on the campus of Penn State for his first NCAA Division I tournament. At the weigh-ins, standing barefoot on the concrete floor, he saw TJ. I do remember seeing him in the weigh-ins, and every time I look at him, my heart beat. Here's TJ. Now, we would go way in, and, and it would just be like a head nod. I didn't even speak to him at all. After he survived a scare in the first round, Tony dominated his second opponent. And then he won his quarterfinal bout to advance all the way to the semifinals. TJ did the same. And by Friday night, in front of 15,000 fans, Tony and TJ, childhood teammates at one time, were now wrestling on adjacent mats with a chance to advance to the finals. I really didn't see Tony throughout the whole tournament until like the semifinals because it was like, he's over here and I'm over there and I'm kind of warming up and I'm kind of watching. Then they wrestling and I'm wrestling and I'm kind of looking over and then I hear oohs and ahs and it was just tough. On the mat next to TJ, Tony was in a dogfight with Illinois' Adam Terrapelli. Late in the third, the match was tied up 3-3 three to three until Tony hit a banana split to go ahead 8-3 to three in advance to the finals. Soon after, TJ won his match, meaning that TJ and Tony would now be wrestling in the NCAA finals. It's one of the rarest things you can accomplish in wrestling, and the fact that both of these guys are from the same kids club made it even more special. Word of the matchup traveled fast, all the way to the Illinois Kids State Tournament, where their childhood coach, Quint Harrell, heard the announcement over the loudspeaker. We were at the state tournament when they announced it. Illinois' very own T.J. Williams from the Harvey Twisters and Tony Davis from the Harvey Twisters is in the finals NCAA championship. That's how I found out. Back at the national tournament, Tony was in his hotel room when the reality of wrestling T.J. began to set in. The night that we both made it, it was hard for me to sleep that night. I went out on a late, late jog just to relax my nerves. With his star athlete running around campus at 2 in the morning, Coach Manning found Tony and brought him back to the hotel. Someone, someone must have called Mark and told Mark that I was out running. He said, T.J., it's time to come back. It's time for you to relax, sleep, get ready for tomorrow. The next morning, two miles across town, T.J. was stewing in his room, which is 12 hours until the finals. I mean, honestly, you really can't describe that that feeling. Like you go up and down. It's like one point you get so fired up, you're like, I'm going to go pin this guy. <laughs> you know, and then next time it's like, all right, I'm going to get a major. <laughs> you know, and the next time it's like, man, I might lose, you know. And then it's like you got all these thoughts and you just try to block out the negative thoughts and, and positive ones take over. 
By 6 p.m., both guys were at the arena. I was thinking, like, man, I worked too hard, you know, to go out there and lose to my opponent. At the time, he's my opponent, right? I wasn't thinking about this is my brother, you know? I'm thinking, like, man, I worked too hard this year to go out there and lose to anybody. As TJ got ready, Tony was in the adjacent tunnel, warming up with Coach Manning. I remember Mark Manning rubbed my shoulders out. He was always... He always knew that would calm me down by rubbing my shoulders out, taking my arms, shaking my arms. and But at that point, my nerves were settled because now the main event is here. Ready to go at 149 pounds, T.J. Williams of Iowa's Hawkeyes, a sophomore, 39-0. and 0. He has been the number one man at this weight all year long, taking on Tony Davis. I'm impressed with Davis's speed. Mine is very, very quick. And I think that's posing problems for T.J. Williams' offense on his feet. After the first period ended scoreless, it was TJ who got the first takedown. Now the face of Tony Davis wondering how to fight back 2-1 against TJ Williams. But then with 30 seconds left, Tony was pressing the pace and TJ was hit for stalling, tying the match at three. And as soon as I took that back step, they called me for stalling. But I was going to shoot anyway. And, and that just fired me up to shoot. And then I realized that I had to finish that shot. And I was like, if I don't finish this... I lose. Williams right back with the takedown. So we were tied for mere seconds before T.J. Williams decided it was time to go to work. With only 10 seconds left, Tony's chances of winning a national title vanished as soon as T.J. finished that takedown. And, and I really felt bad at, after that because I hate to beat him like that, but, you know, it was, um, it was do or die. After the match, as T.J. celebrated... Tony stayed on one knee and covered up his face. And, you know, after we shook hands and I hugged him, I said, hey, man, I love you. And he said, I love you, too. Backstage after the match, Coach Manning found Tony laying on the concrete floor in a puddle of sweat. He, he, was, he was emotional and broken down after the match, and he was just, he wanted to be a national champ so bad. I feel like I was just, I was drowning and... I couldn't breathe. It was like it was like a near-death experience for me. That's how that's how much I love to win. Coach Manning kneeled over his athlete and began the rebuilding process. We were in the back behind some bleachers. I said, "Hey, Tony, remember all the little things that I told you that you need to do? Like you need to show up on time for lifting. You need to lift weights. You need to do this. You need there's you know four or five things that we." We let you get by that you didn't want to do. You got to buy in 100%. If you do that, Tony, next year at this time, you're going to be a national champ. No one will touch you, but you got to buy into it, right? And and he did. He said, absolutely, coach, I'll do it. That made me really um, put the pedal to the metal and come back the next year and be focused. Like I said, that was my first year at Northern Iowa, so that was my first year as a Division One wrestler. That let me realize that Division One is totally different than junior college, and you got to really apply yourself and go through every all the steps, all the weight lifting, and the morning the morning training. During that off season, Tony continued to be haunted by his loss to TJ. I kept playing it over and over in my head. I can't feel that way. I can't feel that way. What can I, What can I do? Get extra lap in. Get extra rep in. I just went tunnel vision. I was I was probably the most focused ever in my career was that last year. I remember just showing up early, and you know, sometimes Coach Man would have warned me with a Starbucks coffee or something. Like, 
T, what are you doing? I said, I'm ready, coach. Let's do it. Later that fall, you and I fans got a jolt of good news as the preseason rankings were announced. TJ Williams had moved up to 157, and Tony was now the number one ranked wrestler in the country at 149 pounds. He was also the face of UNI's rebuild. It was on the cover of the team program that year. Here's Coach Manning. We had really nice media guys. TD, I call him TD. He was on the front, and uh, he was a, he was the highlight of our program. And so uh, Tony said something about his brother wanting some media guys. I'm like, well, Tony, tell me about your brother. Is he back home? He's like, well, no, he's in prison, and. And we, we, I remember, wrapped up a bunch and sent them to the prison. Just uh, a nice way to, to really recognize Tony, but just give his brother, you know, hope. As Tony began his final season of college wrestling, he was about to endure four of the hardest months a wrestler can experience. A full slate of Division I wrestling. Tony's season got started with a win over Wisconsin. And then he traveled to Minnesota, where he took out future NCAA champ Jared Lawrence. He then went undefeated all of December and January, and entered February as the number one wrestler in the country. You and I then traveled to Oklahoma State for a showdown with the Cowboys. Tony would have Reggie Wright. After dropping two straight matches to Reggie, one in high school and one in JUCO, Tony was ready for some revenge. And that night, Coach John Smith from Oklahoma State put Tony and Reggie as the final match of the night. Tony was ranked number one, and Reggie was ranked third in the country. Reggie Wright, his first year at Oklahoma State last year was 27-3. He's the Cowboys' only returning All-American after placing... After battling for three periods... The match was tied 4-4 four to four and headed to OT. Coach Manning looked on. Reggie's a really good wrestler, another guy with an uh, amazing feel. Reggie secured a takedown in overtime to win the match. I remember how upset Tony was. I was hurt, but um, it wasn't like I was broken. It was just, for me, understand that it's not where, it's not where you are right now, it's where you're trying to go, where you're trying to become. So that was just... That was just a push me to keep on doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to get to where I need to be. Tony's final destination was the NCAA championships. And despite that loss to Reggie Wright, Tony entered the tournament as the number one seed. To you and I fans, it looked like their streak of not having a champ was about to end. Here's Kyle Klingman, now one of the most respected journalists in wrestling, but back in 2000, he was a senior at UNI and was at the tournament. It really was drilled into my head that we hadn't had a D1 NCAA champion since 1963, and that was Bill Dotson from Waterloo East. But even though Tony was the number one seed, at the D1 championships, anything can happen. You just never know, because every person there has the ability to win it. And true to form, as the tournament got started the upsets began to pile up. One of the casualties was Reggie Wright, who lost in the quarterfinals. But Tony, he started winning. He won his first two matches on Thursday and two more on Friday 
to advance to the finals for a second consecutive year, completing the rare feat of making the national finals every year in college, twice in JUCO and now twice in Division I. His opponent was Illinois' Adam Terrapelli. Even though Terrapelli had gone to high school in California, he was now in his fourth year at Illinois and was all too familiar with the legend of Tony Davis. When I got to Illinois, all the kids could talk about was, was Tony Davis. I'm telling you, Tony was probably one of the most talked about guys on our campus just because, again, all my, all my buddies you know, grew up and he was just such an icon. Tony's legendary status as a kids wrestler had come full circle. He was now in the NCAA Finals for a second time and was just one match away for bringing home the coveted NCAA Division I title. 24 hours later, Terrapelli and Tony were on center mat with the NCAA title hanging in the balance. The match started with Tony moving forward and Terrapelli doing what he could to defend off his early attacks. You, you were literally just trying to like slow him down and not get way behind. At one point in the third period, Tony almost put Terrapelli to his back to end the match. As Terrapelli is on his feet, about to get an escape, Tony backtrips him and almost locks up a cradle on the way down. And I'm not kidding, I was like this close to getting pinned. As the crowd stood on its feet, both wrestlers scrambled out of bounds and no points were awarded. At the end of regulation, the match was tied one to one and Tony's dream of becoming an NCAA champion would all come down to overtime. Here's Tony's opponent, Adam Terrapelli again. And so I tried to slide an underhook, didn't get it as good as I wanted to. So then when I went to get to it, I kind of stepped right into him and he just dropped in my leg. I just played possum, just waited for the opportunity and just took advantage of it. I knew he'd probably finish, you know, with starting with it in the air. So I tried to tried to create a scramble and roll between his legs, but he stopped it and that was it. After the takedown was awarded, Tony stood up, flexed to the crowd, and began pounding the mat in celebration. It's a feeling that never leaves you. It was a chapter close in my life that was like mission accomplished. Coming from somewhere where everything was always a grind, I mean, winning that title is like, like making it out of, the, out, of the, out of the hood. Like it's a great accomplishment. It's like you accomplish things that people thought you wouldn't accomplish. Moments later on the award stand, Tony stepped atop the podium and laid claim to the NCAA Division I title. Coach Manning could be seen in the tunnel in the distance, clapping and wiping tears from his eyes. Just to see Tony do it and to have that dream come come to fruition for him. He, um, he means so much. He's just like a, another son to me. And, and I, I love him for that. He's a, he, he always has a special place in my heart. Tony's national title was the last match that Mark Manning ever coached at UNI. Later on that spring, he took a head coaching job at the University of Nebraska, a position that he holds even to this day. As Tony stepped off the podium, he passed his buddy TJ Williams, 
who took a third that year, but would go on to become Iowa's most winning wrestler ever, a record that still stands even today. TJ put together an incredible 98-1 record while wrestling for the Hawks. Also on the podium that year with Tony was his old nemesis, Reggie Wright, who finished his career as a two-time All-American at Oklahoma State. Both Reggie and TJ still coach high school wrestling in Illinois. And for Tony, well, nine months after he won that national title, he became a college graduate from the University of Northern Iowa. I was the first person ever graduating my family, so to me, I could have took not been All-American, but getting that college degree was better than winning a national title, so I could I would have threw all that away for the degree. After graduating, Tony competed in real pro wrestling and the world trials before officially retiring. He went on to become a teacher and in 2011 was named Teacher of the Year in North Carolina. And to this day, Tony Davis serves as an example to young Harvey Twister wrestlers of what's possible. Here's Coach Quint one last time. So I I would like to say that Tony, Tony didn't have an active father in his life. Bad neighborhood, quote unquote poor. Made it. Made it against all odds. You know, it, it don't get no better than that. And that's the end of episode three. Thank you so much for listening to this series. If you want more audio documentaries, check out The Smiths, Slang Satiev, Assembly Fall, and Gable the Goat. Hopefully we'll have another audio doc out this year And if you want more content, please consider joining our fan club at patreon.com and search Wrestling Change My Life. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Wrestling Change My Life. A special thank you to our sponsor, Spartan Combat, who's currently running a special on custom team apparel for the Freestyle and Greco season. Go to spartancombat.com to place your order. Escape from Inglewood was written, directed, and edited by me, Ryan Warner. Story consulting by the great Raleigh Peterkin. Original score by Gary Linelli. And business manager, Tanner Warner. A final thank you to Tony Davis and everyone we interviewed for this project. That's it, folks. We'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life.